Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It is time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea or your water, <laughs> sit back so that we can have a chat about what is happening in the stars above us. And of course, sitting to my, in front of me, is Pia <laughs> and Colin from the Pleiadian Earth Astrology and from the Pleiadian Earth Calendar. And welcome to you, Pia and Colin. It's great to have you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Always fun to be with you and your viewers. And we're hoping this will be a good year. Wow, it is. You know, um, my my day this morning, I mean, it's only 8 a.m. Pacific time. And I get up at 6 a.m. almost every morning, even when I don't have to, God help me. And uh, right from the moment I got up, I had a text from my daughter with a dream that she had. And at the end of the dream, she was talking about a visitation with her brother, Brian, my son, who passed away two years ago, two and a half years ago now. And of course, I cried. I was crying because she he had a message for me and blah, blah, blah. And then after crying, I got on, I don't know if it was so cleansing. I, I don't know what happened, but something like a, a button or a, a switch flipped. And now I'm on this high. And my life has transformed, although I can't completely share with everybody yet about how that's going to look. <laughs> it's amazing. And then I remembered today the sun and Pluto begin their conjunction at 29 degrees Capricorn, only to come together tomorrow in zero degrees of Aquarius. Of course, our lives are being turned upside down today. And maybe even yesterday. And maybe Saturday, Sunday, Monday for a while. So it is kind of exciting. It's a little daunting. And as I was sharing with you two behind the scenes, earlier in the week, I was sick, which I am. It's just not in my vocabulary to be sick. <laughs> uh, but I had to come through all of that this week. And here I am at this other end. We're talking about major transformation. I mean, literally, sun coming together with Pluto, there's no other way to look at that, especially because they're coming together at zero degrees. So that's that's what's new, right? That's what's possible. How are you guys feeling about it? Exactly well, like you are, aligned with the fact that it's a major transformation that we can't define, put our finger on, even understand at a physical level, even though we may grasp it mentally. It, it's big. It is. And and as you know, my astrological makeup, this could be, drumroll, a major breakthrough for me <laughs> in, these, in these next couple of days. And then when the retrograde happens in September, October, and November, and we go back for a very short period of Pluto and Capricorn, I'm going to be very curious what that effect will have on us. So yeah. it's it's amazing that, that today, tomorrow, the next day could be game changers, we hope, for the next 20 years. I'm just going to share with you guys, my whole freaking life is now changing based on a, a, a conversation, a, a dream, a 
and an idea that I wrote in a journal yesterday that was the seed for something. So I want everybody, I mean, I am truly excited by this. I, I can't wait to be able to share it all, but it hasn't like all come out yet. And I want everybody to look back at their day yesterday, maybe even their day today, and look at it with what is the seed that's being planted for you. And mm -hmm. Pluto is right now at the 29th degree, 29 degrees, 57 minutes, right? <laughs> He's like bullet burn to that zero degrees Aquarius again. And uh, there's something wherever Aquarius, wherever that uh, Capricorn Aquarius interface is in your personal life, that or in your personal chart, that is what is changing or where the biggest transformation is going to be coming. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes. So Colin, I don't know your chart off the top of my head, but if you think about the house that you have Capricorn in and what where uh, Aquarius, where that interface is, those are the areas of your life that are transforming. Same for you, Pia, just in a different way, uh, because you're not a Capricorn. Aren't you an Aquarian? I'm an Aquarian Venus star. Venus star ah. energy is Aquarius, but my my sun sign is Sagittarius. My rising and my moon are both Cancer. But I have two planets that are zero degrees Aquarius in the eighth house, which I know I'm already feeling. That's right. That's right. We talked about this, right? Yeah. So it feels like right now, and this is for everybody, that we're coming out of a dark tunnel, perhaps, or we're coming out of um, a darkness, something, right? Something that needed transforming in our lives. Now, I, 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 it's happy, happy, joy, joy for me at this moment, but it's not going to be like that for everybody. So don't let me artificially tell you that you're all going to feel as exhilarated as I'm feeling at this moment, because oh, geez, it might not be that way. <laughs> We were hoping, Janet, that it was <laughs> It could be. It could be. I'm open to that. If you all want to be, you know, in receipt of this invigorating feeling, then you too shall have that. But for most people, transformation comes kicking and with kicking and screaming, mm -hmm. right? With us not wanting, no, no. I got to tell you, the inspiration that I had this morning was really an idea <clears throat> that was seated with me. <sighs> almost two years ago now. It was after Brian died and I had gone with my daughter and my granddaughter to us to see a psychic fair or a metaphysical fair. And this woman just like grabbed on to me and my daughter and granddaughter and said, Oh, hey, you, you three need a reading. And she did such a profound reading. And I couldn't see at the time what it was that she was saying to me. But now I do. And I remembered that this morning as my daughter was telling me her dream and as I was telling her mine. So there's these shifts and these morphs that are happening with us, but we don't necessarily have them in our waking life. It could be something that's been seeded for you in a dream. It could be in your waking life. It could be something, there was something intolerable that was going on in my life. And I didn't know what to do about it. I felt like I couldn't do anything about it. And then all of a sudden, I could. It's weird. You know, so I hope that for everybody, that everybody can transform. And I wanted to know, Pia, uh, of course, now I got to find what I did with my Pleiadian Earth thing. I know today was something. Oh, there it is. 
today is seven transcending. Is that correct? Yeah. We're already there. So if I were dreaming early this morning, because it was just before I woke, I would have been in the seven transcending energy. Yes, seven merging, merging different worlds, dream world, waking world, get the message, transcending, getting the message to transcend something you've been stuck with, absolutely fits. Aha, because I was thinking about that. That was one of my first thoughts this morning is that it was seven transcending. And I wondered if that was a part of it for me. Um, I mean, my normal, um, I'm a two remembering and I noticed tomorrow's remembering. So mm -hmm. transcending energy might've been like the, like a part of my makeup, the part of the week that I was born into maybe. I have I this know. theory, Janet. Larkma has told us for years that all systems are meant to be transcended. All systems. That they're only here for us to get the concept, learn how to work with it, and then transcend it and use it differently. And move on to, move on. to a, new, a new system or a, a new understanding. And they told us in 2012 that everybody thought the end of the world was here. <laughs> they told us in 2012 that a shift had happened collectively that we weren't going to be able to see for a long time. And that that shift was simply that everything is available simultaneously. So even though we have these wonderful energies mapped out for us and we're having seven transcending today, it could be that we can reach in and grab that seven merging energy or that transcending energy in any moment because time doesn't really exist. So we still use this as a system to guide us. But when we feel stuck, we also reach for another energy that fits more clearly. And I don't think that's something we've really talked about much, but I think it's really important now because with Pluto moving into Aquarius, all systems are off. We have no idea what is going to be created, what we're going to create, what we're going to rebel against, what kind of freedoms we're going to find. Everything is up for grabs. Absolutely. And we have five days between when Pluto moves into Aquarius and the next new Pleiadian Earth energies. 13-day period, which begins in the energy of exploring. What could be more perfect than exploring what we don't know, what's coming next, what we're transcending, all of it. What's possible? You know, that's the day that Uranus turns direct as well. The planet of rebel, of rebellion oh, or of revolution <laughs> turns direct on the 26th, which is the day that you're saying is one exploring. Well, it says that on the calendar. And the day for rebelling against anything that doesn't work. Uranus and exploring all of that together, it fits. Yeah. And it's an Eastern energy, which is about new beginnings. Well, we've talked about this before, how, how the Pleiadian astrological system always seems to fit within other systems, that there, there's a, a not-so-coincidental coming together of energies. And this is one of those absolute connections that we've seen and we've discussed with you on your show many, many times. This is a yes. perfect example of how that works. It is, it is pretty amazing to me how the systems sort of dovetail with one another mm -hmm. and how like each one holds a piece of the story. Mm -hmm. And when we bring them together, we're like, oh, it's just saying it in a different way. I, I, I love this concept we believe in, in in the work that we've been involved with for so long, 
that there's only really one truth, one cosmic truth, whether, whether that's people believing that love is the highest energy in the universe or whether trust is the most important thing. It doesn't really matter. But the interesting thing is there are many ways to get to the same truth. And that's what we're talking about right now. Different systems that are echoing the same energetic experience. Yeah. And, and that's really important. We have to also understand, and this I say to everybody because, you know, I'm so filled with excitement around the potential for Pluto in Aquarius. But anytime, <laughs> anytime Pluto moves into a new sign, we get the rubber band effect first. So <laughs> remember when he moved into um, Capricorn back in 2008, Whoa. what happened? A huge crash of systems, the mortgage crisis, the financial crisis, corporations, one after another going out of business. The culling crisis. Oh, the culling crisis, right? So what we need to be aware of and likely okay with is the crisis that will come up originally here with this move. And it's not just this one. It probably would be more apparent next year or at the end of November when he makes his move back, you know, he's going to waffle a little bit this year still. And the reverberation in uh, Pluto and Aquarius is going to be about freedom or lack of it. And what we're seeing is often this move for a, for a lot of people around the world toward authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 that just kills me, right? I'm like, no, no. Every fiber of my being is like, no, no, no. But that is going to be the blowback, right? The blowback is going to be, wait, these we we don't need to be told what to do. We don't need to be told what we can do with our bodies. We don't need to be, you just fill in the blank, right? We're sovereign beings. So eventually, we're going to see people rebound from that kind of disturbance that will occur per first with the um, Pluto energy in Aquarius, P potentially, right? Potentially, it's all potential, but we're already seeing it, right? Mm -hmm. We're already seeing some of the signs on the walls about, uh, you know, people still rejecting moving forward into a future. They're still trying to hold on to the past, and not in a healthy way either. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the past. We learn a lot from that, but we're still holding on in some respects to it in a very negative way. So I thought it was worthwhile if we talk about what are the characteristics of Aquarius. One more time, y'all, because you know you've already heard it, but let's talk about that. And then the context of the sun, the brightest light in our solar system for us um, and its conjunction to Pluto the furthest planet in the same system and, or at least of the known planets. And let's talk about what that means. So we have a new era, an era of transformation and evolution birthing as we speak. We got a little taste test of it last March uh, through June. And we have another stronger little nibble of it this year because Pluto will actually make it to two degrees of Aquarius before he retrogrades back to 29 degrees of Capricorn. That 29th degree, we can't seem to let it go. Um, so it activates themes for all of us in our lives personally, because we're this is really collective changes, but it's, you know, you're part of the collective. So you have a part in all of this and the themes are freedom. 
and innovation, revolution, awakening, and uh, those are all associated with Aquarius. And in human design, that's also being echoed, right? The nodes, the north node of the moon is moved into the gate 51, the gate of shock or awakening, right? It's about awakening. So people getting shocked, like I was shocked with this thing that came to me this morning, but it's really an awakening. It's not the kind of shock that people normally think of. Now, the sun representing our identity, our vitality, and our purpose, all of us collectively as have a purpose, um, while Pluto representing the hidden, the power, the shadow, and the regenerative energies, when they two, when they come together, they're challenged. We're challenged to confront our deepest fears, perhaps. Um, our desires, our motivations, and to express ourselves authentically in the world. So we're all being impulsed with that kind of energy. I can't help but think that seven transcending is a perfect day to have this all sort of being orchestrated for us. Janet, I have a I have an image that may be kind of silly, but I keep getting this image as you're talking uh-huh. about what the sun's doing in this position of conjuncting with Pluto. And Everybody knows what sparklers are for little kids, right? Yeah, uh, 4th of July parties. Right now, there are 12 sunspots, big ones, on the sun on the side facing our planet. And as you're talking about this, I see the sun, our advocate, waving these sparklers into the dark going, come on, kids, we're going to get this done. Pay attention. Yeah. I love it. That's great. And what did we do with sparklers? I don't know if you did this, but I certainly did. Tried to write my name in the air. Yes. To keep the oh, light there, you know. Get that energy everywhere. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's really, it's a really um, apt um, metaphor, I think, for what is happening. Now, for everybody, I, I like, I don't want people to think it's all going to be this whimsical and this easy because it isn't. It does require us to sometimes let go of the baggage. There's the whole purging part first. What are you needing to let go of in order to be able to move forward? That's a big thing. And that can lead us to intense experiences, dreams, revelations, uh, changes that force us to let go of what no longer serves us and then embrace our true potential after that. Absolutely. Right. I say it and I'm going, oh, yeah, that's so easy. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) Well, the the idea that everything could come up roses during during this new association between Pluto and Aquarius. You've you've already both of you have already mentioned this, that that it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be challenges, setbacks. I think we have to remember that that there will always be chaos. Mm-hmm. Chaos is always in the background because chaos is what causes change. And we have to look at chaos as a positive element, not a detractor or, or not a negative idea. There will be chaos in the freedom that we're talking about, in, in the, the switch from control rule, all of the things that have been going on for these past 16 years, chaos will be part of that design in order for us to move into what we want, what we're looking for, 
and most importantly, what we're going to create together. So yeah. chaos is part of the mix. And I think it would be absolutely silly to bury our heads in the sand like ostriches thinking, oh, this new this new association of, of Pluto and Aquarius is going to be just this dandy, wonderful picture. Goodness is going to come out of it, but we're still going to have to do our work. We're still yes. going to have to be we're still going to have to be diligent to use what energies come to us to achieve what we're wanting to achieve. Yeah, right. We have this great disturber of the force right now. And, yes. you know, chaos, as you're talking about chaos, is something that we, you know, kind of we, we want to back away from. But it's that chaos that brings the decay to the surface so that we can see it, so we can replace it, regenerate with something different. So we want, we want chaos <laughs> to be able to do the, the job of bringing up what more is possible and simultaneously helping us to see what isn't working anymore. And that's really Pluto's job in the whole pantheon and archetypes of the planets is to return us to empowerment and maybe in some ways to remind us that we're the creators of, of the chaos even, right? Mm -hmm. He's not out there creating the chaos. He's just showing us that what we've created isn't sustainable or isn't helping us, isn't transformative enough. And, you know, he drops the mic on us, right? And says, Boom, you need to change. I think and we do. We change. We, we do it slowly, perhaps. But I don't think this is going to be one that, um, let's see, Pluto is here in Aquarius until 2044. And I dare say this world will be completely different at the time we get to the end of Pluto's transit through uh, Aquarius. So it's exciting. It's a little daunting and scary because we don't know. We don't know. Well, one of the biggest things that's going to change is our belief systems. Because right now we are entrenched in, well, when this happens, then this happens. That, that's just the way it's always been. And I don't think it's going to line up like that anymore. I think we're no. going to be creating new belief systems around potentials and possibilities that occur that we've never even considered. I think you are absolutely right. You know, we also have to remember, now this is a little bit more future looking, like next year future looking. Uh, Neptune is going to move out of Pisces where things, you know, he's kind of kept the lid on some stuff, right, from exploding outward all at once. But when he moves into Aries, all bets are off, right? Aries is a sign of new, bold, forward momentum, pushing outward energy. So, Here's where the potential, I think, comes for a new ideology that has to come up for us in order to move forward, to survive, to thrive. We're going to need a new ideology, not one born out of, and I don't like to bash religion, but not one born out of belief systems that are caught up in some old paradigm. We're going to have to move beyond that. We're going to have to move to a fusion, if you will, and I think it's already happening, of spirit and science. Right. That's that's where our saving grace is going to be, where we can meld these two. You can even think of, of it as the two hemispheres of your brain, you know, one logical, one creative. But let's blend them together so that we can move forward, which means 
we have to let go of a lot of belief systems. Well, to do that, we have to move beyond the cultural view of everything is separate and specialized because science is we're focusing only on this. That's it. We're going to do this paradigm and study it and see what we discover. Just like medicine, which does the same thing. It's like religion, which does the same thing. We have to move into something more holistic that sees, as you said about the brain, the whole picture. Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, everything has become compartmentalized. Science and medicine has separated everything. Each, Each school of medicine or science believes that that what they're studying is the end all the the most important and if if they're successful at figuring out whatever the heck they're studying they're going to have the answer we're we've been going in the wrong direction for 300 years it's not compartmentalizing each little thing it's as pia just said it's putting it all together it's it's holistically combining all of the aspects and coming up with the big picture, the big, the big understanding. And I think, I think the new technology that we're looking for that, that will hopefully come in this next 22 years will be part of stepping away from that, that boxing or compartmentalizing things and having a much wider vision, a much wider perspective. Oh, yeah. And I think that is what's going to create a much more humanistic technology for all of us. That is so absolutely spot on, um, Colin, because here we are. What is this? 2024. We are three years away from what in human design is a huge evolutionary leap that happens within our energetic matrix of the human. Right. 400 years ago, we entered into a time uh, a uh a an incarnation cross uh, don't get me caught up in terminology but a time of administration where logic became king and we were compartmentalizing categorizing and trying to you know bureaucracy grew out of that and you know we have all of our ducks in a row so to speak and this person over here can't get done anything unless they go through all of these different clicks to get down here And we built a monster, a behemoth, and it's not sustainable. So in three years, when we move into the next iteration for the next 400 years, we move into one that is much more cohesive, that is much more about blending all the hemispheres and uh, coming up with a different emotional picture of what the world is all about. It'll be called the cross of the sleeping Phoenix. Take away what you want from that because the Phoenix is about transformation. So I feel like it is going to be a time where there is a lot of potential for transformation uh, that becomes more unified, right? Bringing us into more unified, you know, fields of energy. But that doesn't happen in 2027. We just start to find that being the primary energy that we are building toward. It'll take 400 years, of course, until we get to the end of that and we see the impact that that has had. Just like right now, we're seeing the impact of what all of this categorizing and and uh, bureaucracy is, has wrought, right? So now we're going to have to move that into something that's much more sustainable. 
Yeah, we we've we've really used what what we thought was amazing science for all all these years. I picked three hundred years. You you suggested four hundred years. I, I see that all as in the same ballpark mm-hmm. historically, but but we've used all of this information, not truly getting us where we want to be. I think it was an impediment. I think it actually caused us to not reach the the potential growth or the potential evolution that could have been possible. And I think the idea that you suggested of melding science and spirituality together is is incredible. Mm. I had a professor back in the 60s who I really liked. He he was a, a physicist. He's still here. Um, and his name has been cropping up on the internet lately. His his name is Amit Goswami. Oh yeah. And, and he he was, I'm getting goosebumps even speaking his name. He was so far ahead of the curve. He was saying in the late 1960s in his classes that there was something wrong with science. This this was over 50 years ago. He said we have to merge spirituality humanism and science together in order to understand the universe that we live in. And he wrote a series of books that were incredible about doing that very thing, melding these different ways of seeing the universe. And he did something in the, in the 1980s. He had had already written and most of his books were written for the lay public, not not for physicists or scientists. He was trying to help the the collective understand the true meaning of quantum science and physics. In In the middle 80s, he decided that he wanted to write a book, a new book. He'd already written many, many books. And he invited a bunch of people together at, I think, if I can recall, at a Unitarian church, some some sort of neutral meeting place. And he had a discussion with this group for about six months, every Sunday for a half a year. And he said, I want to discuss my ideas with you. And I want feedback. I want to know what you think about what I think, which was a revolutionary idea. And so he wrote a book. And I'm sorry, I can't tell you what the title is right now. (laughs) I don't remember. But that book was, was especially written for the lay public about changing the way we look at science, religion, and spirituality. And for some reason, he is he has to be in his late 80s at this point. Yeah. He's coming back into the public eye for some reason. And I don't know if he has a new book that he's working on or why he's coming back, but something's up about this man. And I am so happy because he, he was an absolute game changer in the idea of of physics quantum physics and spirituality that's amazing he's coming back because pluto is moving into aquarius <laughs> right because now the the collective is ready maybe for uh, a better deeper understanding of what it is that he's saying i think you're absolutely right yeah 
you know, it's always funny because you can go back through a time period and you can look at who were the mentors or who were the the big names that really impacted us positively. Also, the ones that, you know, had a negative impact because they will show us what the highest energy vibration is and what the lowest or shadow fear vibration is uh, that, you know, encompasses or embraces that time period. So all of the people out there that, you know, we, we see in our, our lives, uh, they're holding some kind of energy for us to look yep. at, to look up to, to go, okay, no, I see the shadow there. I'm not going to be that person. So it's all to our service. And it's interesting to find somebody like that who is so cutting edge science, different way of thinking of science mm -hmm. and bringing the fusion of maybe science with spirit into this now moment it's amazing it is it is and it and you're absolutely right it it's it's on target timely there's there's no there's no chance that this isn't why this is happening so i'm probably making a bad stab at his name but people out there are asking us what his name was so i'm going to put it in writing uh and then i'm going to show it so you guys can look at it and tell me is that right let's see i got to show it on There, are you seeing that? It's it's um, it's it instead of et. Amit. Okay, Amit. And, and Goswami is correct. Woohoo! Let's hear it for. <laughs> okay, so let's rephrase that then. Amit Goswami, and let's see. I'm going to hide that one and put this other one out there so that people can look him up and find out what the books are that he's written. And, and also, also Janet, I have his latest newsletter that I'm going to include as a link in our newsletter that'll be coming out this coming Sunday. Okay, good. Maybe a few days after Sunday. I don't know. Sometime after our live call on Sunday, I'm going to put his link in with our live call for people to read his email. I mean, his newsletter, because I think it'll it'll share what we're talking about here. Okay, good. And let's give people an idea of how to get your newsletter in case they're not on your list. So they would go to larkma.com. Larkma.com. Yep, just sign up for the newsletter. It's free. There we go. Oh, so I just posted that up. And maybe I'm wrong about the last letter of his last name, it's probably I instead of Y. Okay. It's, but it's if you if you put it in the way that we've spelled it, it's close enough. It's gonna it's gonna correct it for you. Do you Absolutely. it'll say, did you mean Amit Goswami with an I on the end? Uh, <laughs> or something to that effect. So hopefully that gives us um uh, because that's I think that's something that for this audience, right? they would be open to this. And, you know, I, I like to look at the signs that we see in the outer world as like little signposts, markers along the way that kind of give us an idea of what some of the energies are that are lining up. And one of the biggest scientific headlines in recent memory has been about scientists achieving in a minuscule way, fusion, nuclear fusion as opposed to fission, which is, you know, where we've been. In fusion, there's much more energy created. It's much safer as, as far as I know. 
and, you know, creates the potential for us to have a sustainable energy source coming in the future. And what have we just been talking about? But the fusion of science and spirit, mm-hmm. right? So fusion, we're seeing the word fusion out there in the world, or at least I see it coming across my news feeds. And we're talking about the need for fusion. And I, I want to say that that's another big Pluto Um, sun conjunct Pluto even message that we're getting just as the two of them move into, I mean, they're hand in hand, arm in arm moving into Aquarius. What does that tell you? Well, it's certainly the energy of today, universal energy of merging. Seven energy is all about merging, fusion, exactly what we're talking about. So we're talking about this today on purpose. (laughs) We, we thought we were going to talk about God knows what. Somebody <laughs> mentioned that here we were talking about chaos. I think it was you, Christine. And we've all purposely dressed in blue, like the calming colors of blue. But I want to assure all of you that we do not match our outfits on purpose. <laughs> it's just funny to see how it works out. Uh, I was initially, I told them behind the scenes this morning, I was going to wear peach. I reached for my shirt that I wanted to wear and I ended up with this one as if some invisible hand moved me to wear a much more peaceful, calming color. It's so appropriate, Janet, because the Pleiadians tell us that blue is the color of trust. And Uh I think moving into this time of chaos and change and unpredictability, trust is the perfect energy to surround ourselves with while we're stepping into this. Absolutely. So I have a couple of questions for you. And so we're going to, I think we're kind of done with the transformational part of this today, maybe. Uh, We can come back to it if people have questions. But I noticed when uh, I was looking at the calendar that we've gone through a Venus star change that actually was on the first day of the year, the calendar year. Can you tell us anything more about that Venus star? And it was also um, with a Venus phase change. Let me get to the calendar and look so I can see what's up with that. It's a star. It says Venus star. We're yep. right there. So the Venus star right now. Uh, the Venus star is in Leo is the morning star. And it's that they came. we came into this year, 2024, with that energy. Because that changed over in August. And we'll stay there until... Um, June 4th, June 4th, the Venus star changes to Gemini. The Venus phase we are in right now lasts until April the 16th. And it also was a carryover from 2023. It was the energy of surrendering and discovering. We carried it over into 2024 because we're still surrendering the stuff we need to let go of and discovering what comes next. And we will move into immersion, into what newness unpredictability, all kinds of things we're talking about with the Aquarian energy on April the 16th. So the Venus star is in Leo. Interesting with Pluto going into Aquarius, the opposite sign. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts about what, I mean, what is the Venus star's purpose in Leo? Do you know? I mean, do you have an idea? What The Venus star in Leo is all about shining light into dark places and letting your own light shine. It's about being aligned with light, letting yourself be seen, letting yourself shine, aligning with wherever you find the light. All those things are why Venus is in Leo right now. So I see, even though it's an opposite astrological position, it's the perfect place for Venus to move 
I mean, for for Pluto to move out of Capricorn <laughs> into Aquarius. That's that. That's what I was just going to say. It it's about it's another one of those spooky coincidences. The diametric challenge of these two energies is happening exactly appropriately at the same time because what we're going to see through Pluto and Aquarius is bringing more light, bringing more truth, bringing more freedom. I see those elements as the same thing. It's it's absolutely purposeful and contingent on each other for this, this huge change that we're about to enter. It's also important to remind everybody that the Venus star and the Venus phases are not your Venus at birth. It has right. nothing to do with that. It has to do with where Venus is collectively in the sky. And even though we have certain attributes personally that are aligned with where Venus was when we were born, it's where the Venus star was when we were born, not where Venus was placed in your birth chart, your natal chart. Right. So they're, a, different, they're different mechanisms there. Exactly. Exactly. Different systems. This particular system is the one that's aligned with Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology because it's based on the 260-day rotation of Venus around the sun, not the 365-day rotation of Earth around the sun. And I think right. that's important because Venus is showing us, teaching us about duality, how to use it properly. We have misused duality on this planet to separate and divide every possible way we can imagine. And Venus is showing us, hey, we're still one star. We show the evening star. We show the morning star. But we're still one energy. Learn to look at opposite perspectives and harmonize them. So it's yeah. a really important thing to consider from that perspective. And moving out of the phase of surrendering and discovery is all about shaking us up to let go of anything that has kept us stuck. Surrendering. And what is that next phase after surrendering and letting go? What is that? We move into immersion, starting into something different. Nice. Starting into, okay, immerse yourself into what's coming next. Mm, I love it. And it's also interesting to note that Leo and Aquarius as opposites of one another, Leo rules the individual in the heart of the individual where Aquarius rules the group or the community or the, you know, the masses, if you will, and the heart of the masses, the heart of the collective, the heart of the individual, and how do we blend those? Um, because each person is an individual. And somebody out here this morning said something about a tapestry. Who was it? Uh, bu -bu -bum. I'm looking back. And by the way, we got a, an update on the right smell, spelling for Amit Goswami's name. Thank you very much, Amy, for bringing that to our attention. But anyway, somebody was talking about it being like a tapestry or something where a quilt where all the pieces have to come together. If you have, you know, it's made up of individual pieces. Mm -hmm. And without those individual pieces, we don't have the whole. So it seems that would be a big balancing thing for all of us to recognize that we need all the individuals, no matter their sexual orientation, their race, their skin color, their tastes, their, their, their sexual identification. We need them all because they're all part of the whole. Mm -hmm. Big lesson. Now, um, so immersion and that you said is there until April. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
um, there was another question I had about the Venus star. Does that work differently with each one of us based on our own Venus star? Well, we have always to look at any of our systems, whether it's, you know, Western astrology, Pleiadian Earth energy astrology, human design, all of it. You always have to consider the individual things that are playing out in your life for your evolution. So, yes, there is an individual component. You have an individual Venus phase where you were born that impacts how you see the world. So you have this overall in infusion of the immersion energy or the surrendering and discovering energy. But how we deal with that and reflect on it from our own perspective is the individual aspect of that. So they both do play out. There is an individual um, perspective from the phase of Venus that you were born into and from the position of the star when you were born. Both of those have individual components. But the collective is where we're more focused right now so that we can use our individual perspectives to be able to harmonize everybody. Very good. Very good. So, you know, this idea of immersion and the idea of Leo's individuality and heart-centeredness can play out differently for each person, just as yes. I would expect, right? It could be... Yes. Uh, there's not a place in your chart that we can look at that says, oh, hey, this is where this is happening. But you could look to where it is that you're feeling your heart is needing to come into alignment with something as a key clue as to how this is going to play out for you. Mm -hmm. Well, particularly while the Venus phase is in surrendering and discovery, that's a particularly important piece because all of us have something that we cling to that we think defines who we are. And we might need to let that go. That might be one of the things we need to surrender. And you know, instead of being prideful about I've achieved this or, or, or I haven't done that, we might need to let go of our perspective of who we think we are, who we believe ourselves to be. That's probably the biggest. I just want to interrupt you. You can keep going. That's probably the biggest belief system we need to abolish. <laughs> the belief system of I, of I am. So while Venus star is in Leo and while the phase is in surrendering and discovery, it's an excellent time to look at where your tender points are. Where do you feel triggered? Where do you mm. feel like you have to defend yourself? Well, this is who I am and this is what I've done. Where can you let go of that and just become part of the whole? Very nice. You want to hear another kind of quinky dink is that yes. in, you said in June, June 4th, I think it was that uh, mm -hmm. the Venus star becomes Gemini. And that's literally just a month after Jupiter, the planet of growth and expansion moves into Gemini. Well, there's a Venus phase change on June 4th. Also, we <laughs> move immersion into transmutation. Oh, wow. Okay. So June 4th is going to be a big day. Yeah. So the Venus star goes into Gemini. We move into transmutation. We have and all that the means Jupiter in Gemini is causing mass growth in all things mm -hmm. Gemini, communication, the mind, uh, air, how, how we interact with one another, mm -hmm. uh, how we travel even. Ooh, mm -hmm. that'll be interesting to see. Well, I don't know about um, anybody else, but we're certainly doing a lot of travel that's not necessarily in these bodies. <laughs> I'm sure everybody out there can kind of feel a uh, connection to that on some level because yeah. our dreams lately, I, you know, I hear not only from my own family, but from, you know, other people 
uh, about that sense that they have been somewhere else. A person in my family who is typically very non sort of spiritual, I mean, he's spiritual in his own way, but I mean, he's not usually like, you know, us girls talking all about this stuff, says this morning, I had a dream about my dad last night. His dad passed away a few years back. And he said, but it wasn't like a dream of my major importance. It was very mundane. And it made me feel like I had traveled to a parallel universe. <laughs> like, oh, my God, Aaron, I have to talk to you later. Um, <laughs> because I don't know how many times over the past few months that I've felt that very same thing, that there's something going on in my dreams that weren't necessarily like in my own psyche, but have, have a feeling of being traveled to a different parallel, a different yes. reality. It's kind of bizarre. And then to hear that from someone who's really pretty much um, not into that stuff was pretty weird. Yeah. Well, we're hearing this pretty much worldwide. Pe people are beginning to say, I, I haven't had these experiences before, but but I feel like either in my dreams or in in my everyday life or in deja vu situations, I'm doing things in other places that I wasn't aware of before. It's cropping up with many, many people at this time. Yeah. Uh, people out in the uh, audience, they're saying the same things. Uh, LS says, my dreams have been so intense and vivid, lots of traveling and such. Um, and you know, people are hearing or feeling the, getting the sense that things are culminating, that things are coming up. Um, and Pauline says, yeah, my cosmic being discovering many parts from so many eons, from so many different, you know, parts of herself. Um, so we're all feeling it. We're all experiencing it. And uh, that's, I think it just gets... I don't want to say worse because I don't think it's a bad thing, but it gets more pronounced. Mm -hmm. And in human design, as we were talking about at one point here today, the nodes, which are sort of the harbinger of the collective shifts that are happening for us, right? Where is our destiny or our, our evolution in consciousness taking us is sitting at a gate that's very tricky. It's the gate 51, which is a gate of shock or awakening. And it is a place in our chart that forces us to become more spiritual, right? So imagine somebody who gets shocked by a diagnosis, let's say, of cancer. And I'm not saying that's what everybody's going to have out there. And they're shocked by it. And it causes them to shift their point of view on life in general, on mm -hmm. their belief systems, on how they treat their body, how they treat and value their family. So many different shifts happen from just one shock. Right. And it doesn't have to be that kind of big shock that happens, but some people will experience that level of kind of shock. Others would, it'll be these little awakening pieces where an epiphany occurs or an aha moment. Another great word uh, for this time period is breakthrough. What are we breaking through to, or what are we breaking free from? And everybody is expecting, experiencing this right now. It's not like, oh, I don't have gate 51. So no, you know, no problem. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> you all have a gate 51. It's just whether it is defined already by another planet. Um, and if it's not, it's suddenly being defined by the North Node, a part of your destiny being revealed to you in a way that is an awakening that is, you know, possibly shocking. I think if we all get really, really quiet when we first wake up in the morning, instead mm. of spending time jumping into what do I have to do today or just getting into the doing mode, if we just spend time being in the quiet, I think amazing insights are coming through. Insights that have to do with multiple life lifelines, lifetimes, dimensions, people, ourselves. I think amazing insights are beginning to open to us or portals are opening to us to be able to experience a deeper and broader level of understanding of everything. Yeah, it is. This this whole of the year of 2024 seems very pivotal to me. In fact, that was one of the first words I used in describing 2024 is pivotal. And because it, it presents us with so many opportunities to change, to engage evolution more consciously to be a more conscious player on the field of earth, as opposed to being the victim of what's happening on the planet or not, you know, thinking that you need to be involved with what's going on on the planet. So pivotal. It'll be so interesting when we get to this conversation in December of 2024 to see all of the things that have been revealed and all of the changes that have been wrought in the planet, none the least of which is a, an American election America having just gone through a Pluto return that still is not done and uh, seeing how it is that that plays out for us here and how it plays out in other countries around the world in response to uh, the changing pressures in every, um, you know, phase of, of, of other countries. I think we may be shocked. Yeah, I think we might be. You know, shock really only lasts, that gate lasts until May. So I think all the shocks are happening and then it's the settling out of said shocks <laughs> that occurs <laughs> from May on through uh, December. But I mean, obviously the, that, that still keeps going. It moves on into other gates. And it's interesting because after that, we move into energies of fear. Uh, or fear producing, let's say, the potential for fear producing gates uh, in our human design as the um, nodes keep shifting, you know, throughout this uh, 2024. So the pivot here is about releasing fear. It's all about letting go of the fear of the future. It's not, you know, so many times we've, you know, faced Armageddon or somebody's idea of what, you know, how many times have we heard that a specific date the earth was going to end? Like some religious guru says on October 16th of 2020, or I can't remember what year it was actually, the, the earth is going to end. The end of the Mayan calendar, the earth is going to end. And we're still here. <laughs> yes, we are very much. We're you still, know. we're still learning. It's, it, it's amazing how adaptable the human race is even, <laughs> even even going through all these changes and especially in the past few years the dramatic changes we've gone through we're still here we're still learning we're still evolving 
And there's no reason why that cannot continue. We're, no. Yep, exactly we're, right. Exactly we're capable, right. We're capable of so much more than we've ever imagined. And yeah. I, I hope that this year is the beginning of understanding that, that, that we're more powerful, we're more creative, we're, we have more ingenuity than we've ever given ourselves credit for. And I hope 2024, moving into 2025, will actually bring this into more of a, a realizable reality. And I, I, think, I think we're poised at, at that place where this can actually begin in a completely different way. And it, it all has to do with perspective. It, it all has to do with perspective of Absolutely. do we really need to be afraid of what we're told we're supposed to be afraid of, or do we just pass through it and do the best we can do? Well, in human design, we say exactly that. Feel the fear, but do it anyway, especially mm -hmm. if it's something that is a false evidence appearing real kind of fear, like I'm afraid to, to speak up, or I'm afraid to, you know, write that book or publish that book, those kinds of things are false fears. They're just more egoic sort of fears. Now, certainly, if you know, you're um, faced with real danger, that's a different kind of fear. Mm -hmm. But most of us are not facing that kind of danger on any given day. I mean, pe some people around the world do. But for the most part, we've taken fear to a whole new level. We've made it something like, you know, that we have to um, avoid or that we have to be afraid of rather than something that we need to face and ask those questions about, well, what is this fear about? What would happen if I got to the other end? What would happen if I published that book? <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I, think, I think almost all the fears that we face are simply imaginary. Yeah. They're, 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 they're in our minds. They're not really part of who we are. It, it's a loop of, uh-oh, this is going to happen or, or this is going to get worse. And I, I think if we rely on our hearts and that ever important idea of trust, we don't have to be the fearful people that we thought we were all along. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing. Fear is in your DNA. It's in your DNA because it's a survival mechanism. It's how we have survived. But the point about becoming conscious co-creators is the whole idea that we can look at fear and we can determine, is this something I really need to be worried about or um, anxious over or, you know, afraid to do? Or is this just an artifact from my, my typical response to change or um, having to move into a different uh, territory kind of thing. Yep. So asking those questions helps us to um, understand, you know, do I really need to be afraid? Is, is this mortal danger that I'm in if I do this speech? <laughs> if, if I put this product out, is it, you know, going to be something that is going to kill me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, point. literally, it's ridiculous sometimes, right? The things that people are afraid of. It, it, it is. I mean, if, if Pia and I looked back in our lives, in, in many of the things that we've decided to do in, in publishing or, or telling, telling people that this is really who we are and this is what we do, honestly, most people wouldn't have done what we've done because they would have feared ridicule, insanity, um, 
a, a huge list of things that could have happened to them and being labeled a heretic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we just have to do what we believe in our hearts is right. And I think we can't go wrong if we do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, pa uh, Pauline says, we fear our inner space and our emotions, but trust our thoughts and beliefs. We need to merge them in the heart to observe more uh, through courage. That's well said. Absolutely. Very well said. And uh, good morning, Teddy. I see you out there now. Let's do this because we're it's at nine o'clock already. Let's, uh, do you have your cards handy, Pia? I did something a bit different today, Janet, because we're I always looking for cards. This morning before we started the show, I sat with the card deck, not knowing what we we're going to talk about and said, give us the message that we need most to learn today. And I pulled not one, but two cards, because often we do two cards. Uh -huh. and here's what I got. I can't wait. Healing change. Remember, the only constant of the universe is change. You are always changing. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is relationship attachment. Release your attachments to anyone or anything. That's the two cards that I pulled for <laughs> us for today. Without even knowing where we were going. Right. Yep. Pretty I mean, profound. Me when you just turn it over and just say, what do we need to know most? Mm. It's really astounding. I'm amazed all the time when I do card readings on the show at the end, usually how it follows or tracks with everything that we just talked about and kind of validates it. There's a magnetic pull somehow. The energy is out there of what's going to happen or what is transpiring. And when we touch the deck, we maybe tap into or transfer some of that energy and the car just magically shows up. I would believe that. I absolutely would believe that. Oh, so, I, I would I would think that Larkman would say it's Pleiadian stardust. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Uh, so anyway, thank you both so much for being here with me this morning. It has been a pleasure as always. Is there any um, thing that you need to let the audience know before we close up for this morning? I don't think so, except hold on to your hats. Here we go. <laughs> we, we like this, right? Uh, we will be together again in February. It looks like it would be the 16th. Yep, that would 16. be our third Friday. So mm -hmm. I look forward to seeing you both then. And thank you all audience for joining us this morning and for all your wonderful comments. I know I, I read them. I don't always get to, to say what everybody's talking about. Uh, but thank you for being a participant. We love you. Have a great day. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.